Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. On today's show, we've got my friend Dylan Barr joining us from Colorado. Dylan uh, is a friend of mine I met down in PodFest in Orlando, and he's just a really thoughtful and, and cool guy. I think you'll really enjoy the, the talk that we had. He kind of went in a, a variety of directions. Uh, as always, today's show is produced, uh, the music and the artwork by Misha Zarens. Thanks again. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. This is your host, Walker Near. Uh, today's show, we've got a special guest that I met in Orlando, Florida. Uh, he actually works for a company called the Self-Publishing School, and uh, I had the opportunity to have a really great conversation with him down there about that business and, and just about kind of life in general, and uh, I really wanted to have him on to, to have all of you guys meet him as well, and that man's name is Dylan Barr. Dylan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, uh, Mr. Walker near <laughs> for sure. It is my pleasure. Um, so when I met Dylan, uh, like I said, it was in Orlando and it was with the self publishing school. So I've talked yeah. about Orlando a little bit on the, the show previously, but, okay. um, mostly it was a podcasting event, but this self publishing school is all about how to write a book and, and publish it on your own. Hence, you know, hence the very obvious name. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so while that's not maybe on its face directly related to podcasting, it turns out that a lot of podcasts are in service of a larger business or already existing business or whatever. And so in that kind of context, that self-publishing school angle makes a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, just real quick, and as much as you do or don't want to talk about it, Dylan, how how did you get started with the self-publishing school, or how long have you been with them? I've been with self-publishing school since last October, and that was actually my second. We call them stages when um, when we go to these speaking events because Chandler Chandler Bolt, who started the company, he speaks up on stage, so we call it a fucking stage. <laughs> Super blatant, but uh, Orlando <laughs> was the second time I was in Orlando. Uh, first one was LaunchCon. We went to people that were getting ready to launch some type of business. A lot of them podcasts. And the second one was PodFest. And part of me was kind of thinking, like, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> everything, else is, everything else is for five. Like, everyone's got their microphones that they're helping people, like different ways to video things. And we're talking to people about writing a book. But mm-hmm. to your point, I think, is the fact that a lot of people will who want to start a business or a podcast, that book was is the foot-in-the-door approach for them. So it's like, yeah. hey, I'll be a best-selling author, which is what self-publishing helps be, school helps people do, become Amazon best-selling authors. Kind of that credibility piece, and then it pulls people into the podcast, or people are really successful have a podcast, such as yourself. Oh, and, right, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the book is on the back end. I'm just like, hey, while you're on my podcast, check out my book. So it made sense when I was there, but uh, I have just been following Chandler for – since he really started it, man, it's a weird story. Uh, I, when I was in college, I started a personal growth organization um, at Central Michigan University. It's this huge school. If you've never heard of it, I'm surprised. <laughs> but uh, we would help. We would help freshmen and sophomores. The like goal set. You know, you're just coming from like a party. Party or in high school, you're coming into college. You want to start setting goals, getting ready for the real world. Uh, we'd help them set goals, hold them accountable to those goals. We would do like mini TED Talks every Wednesday. And Chandler ended up coming up because he was dating a girl at the time that went to Central Michigan University. They worked together. And he was living in South Carolina. He came up. Uh, it was just in this phase of he's like, I'm thinking about dropping out of school. We came up here to see what everything, you know, visit Rachel, see what this is about. And him and I talked the next day and he told me about a business he was looking to start. And I'm like, well, that sounds great. You know, just stay in contact. Let me know if you need anything. And I've just been following from afar ever since. And then uh, they were looking for a position and I applied. Gotcha. Yeah, Chandler was definitely uh, an, a very uh, inspiring person. Uh, you know, I, I went, I'll, I'll be honest, he, he did a presentation over over a lunch period on the, the first day of the conference. And I 100% agreed to attend because it was a free lunch. Um, That's just, how we get you. Yeah, one million. And then even when he started talking, I was like, oh, well, this makes sense if you have a business, but I don't, so I don't care. And um, and yeah, man, by you know, by the halfway through his presentation, I had my little mind map out and was writing ideas out and <laughs> was was into it. Um, 
And it's something I shared with you when I was there and, and for the, for my audience's sake, not to, to make it too dramatic or significant of a moment, but it was really interesting to me because it um, it was something that when he started talking, like I just said, I wasn't interested, but I wasn't interested not just because I thought it was like a, a bad idea or something. It was more just that I thought, oh, well, I don't have a book to write or, oh, well, I don't have something that I want to, you know, that I, I want to share. So this just doesn't appeal to me because I'm not qualified for it to appeal to me. Mm-hmm. And and by the end of his presentation and then even beyond that, by the end of talking with Dylan the next day, with you, you know, the next day, um, it was something that I was really strongly considering and something that I really thought was something that I could achieve or accomplish. And, and while it's something that I ultimately decided to to hold off on at this point, I, I still kick it around all the time. Like, it hasn't left. I think it's a really interesting idea, and I think it's really cool um, to kind of... I just think it's really neat whenever you can kind of flip it on, on, on its head when someone thinks they can't do something, and then you're like, yeah, but look, here's a really easy path to do it. And we've already had other people do it, so we know it works. You know what I mean? Like, And not only on top uh, of that, but just the fact that people... Like, some of the books people write about that do extremely well... I'm like, what the fuck? People want to know this stuff. You know, it's like, and, and no offense to them. I want to help them get their word out there. I think it'd be sure. crazy. Like deep seated, like desire that I have is everyone hears the the quote, um, history was written by the victors. It's mm-hmm. like, man, what the hell? What if history could be written by anybody? You know, like a, a, someone that just wants to write a certain story to, to teach people. I, I believe we were talking about, you know, just how to teach treat people in a customer service job. Cause it's something that yeah. you do so well. It's like, who are we to say history, like future from now doesn't need that. And just to put right. that legacy, that stamp on it. Um, and other people have done far better with far less, you know? Um, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, just a really cool idea. And I, and I, I would urge anyone who's ever even thought about kick the idea around of, of writing a book and this, you know, this show isn't to, to necessarily just plug self-publishing school, but self-publishingschool.com uh, forward go. slash vip with dylan if <laughs> yeah no, no, and, 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 no and for real and, and we'll i'll say it again at the at the in the closing of the show I'll, I'll make sure and mention that and then in the show notes we'll have links because um again you know it's not like they're sponsoring me in any way i just think it's legitimately a good a, a really good idea and the people that, that that i've encountered at least you know dylan and and uh, the other folks that i'd spoken with when i was in orlando i'll just really genuine people. So I, I think it comes from a good place and I think it's accomplishing a good thing. And uh, anyone that's looking for that little bit of help, you know, absolutely it could. Oh yeah. Um, Can't hurt to talk to anybody. Uh, awesome company. I'll just second plug it. But of course uh, I'd love to just us shoot the shit as well. Thank you for that, man. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so, uh, you know, obviously the, 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 I think the natural question then, since you work for a self-publishing school is, a, have you self-published any books, and and if so, what were they? And then B, anything you know in the can on the way. Good question. Um, short answer: No and yes. But this is a podcast, so you make everything longer, right? I tell a story. These <laughs> people have have grocery lists to complete, and they've got to listen to something. So. <laughs> Give me something to do as I walk around mm-hmm. Kroger, Meyer, whatever you have over there. Um, <laughs> no, I have. I've been wanting to write a book, Walker, for a while. So the. the to answer the first question, no, but I'm in the process, yes. Um, so when I first joined self-publishing school, I actually uh, applied to be a coach. Uh, so I actually, a little bit about our company is you'll talk to a book publishing strategist, make sure that we are a company that's going to help you out, right? You're not looking for someone just to write your book for you. You're looking for something that we, you know, solve or we, we fit that, that description. Mm-hmm. And, and if we work out for you, People get their access to an own membership portal that walks them through. This is what you have to do to write a book. But you also get an expert coach who's been a best-selling author before that you can have conversations with. And they basically coach you when you get stuck in challenges, like ways around those challenges and, and what you can do to potentially solve them. And I originally applied for that position because I love coaching. I was a coach in my previous job for a really long time, and I've always wanted to write a book. That's the reason I didn't get the job because I haven't written a fucking book yet. Um, gotcha. But for the longest time, I really have long-term goal of writing a fiction book. I have had different universes playing in my head ever since I can remember. It's one of the big 
things I just had growing up through my grandparents was just an imagination. Um, so my like dream pipe dream goal would be fiction book of the ages or just a fiction book people read. And then I get to create my own universe and someone else gets to get lost in it. Very similar to that. I've used to, you know, read a bunch of Stephen King books and get lost in his universe. I want the same thing and have people get lost in mine. Um, but man, fiction is tough. Fiction is a tough beast to master one, to write it two to then try to get it out there and really get a following going with it. So I kind of put that on the back burner as a, kind of my long-term vision with self-publishing school is to get full on into fiction writing. First, I wanted to prove concept that I could do it. So um, I have a nonfiction book that I started at the beginning of this year and uh, I completed my rough draft about three weeks ago. Oh, wow. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. It is it, it doesn't seem it would be big and people are like, Oh, get the rough draft done. And, and the whole time I went into it, I'm like, you know, it's the first step, right? I don't think it's that big of a thing, but once I finished it, I was you know, high five in the bartender. I would go to the, a bar down the street to get my rough draft done when I just wanted some me time. And it was, it was an exhilarating feeling to finish that rough draft. Yeah, I bet so. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, the points you bring up about fiction, it, it's really interesting because I've actually just found myself kind of rediscovering it as, as silly as that sounds. Um, you know, as a kid in, in, in my twenties, I pretty much only read fiction books. Um, and then I, <laughs> which kind of ties into it, something we were discussing before we started recording, but I, so I read the game of Thrones books back in the day. Right. Um, <laughs> but you haven't watched it and right. And, and well, and so, and we, I'd be happy to talk about that here in a, in a moment, but, but that, Suffice it to say that that kind of left me a bit soured, um, mm. and 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 so I actually then came to the conclusion that I didn't care for fiction books anymore. That I was only interested in nonfiction books, and, and I, I've read like a like I've read all of Malcolm Gladwell's books. I don't know if Ooh. you've read him or not. Yes. Um, but yeah, outliers, like, like, right? Anyone say what? Outliers being a big book. Yeah, for him? yeah, yeah. The story of success. Yes. Yeah. Um, Outliers, Blink is another one that he has. Mm -hmm. um, David and Goliath, I think, was the most recent one. Mm -hmm. But I, I just think that stuff is super fascinating. And I thought, oh, well, this is what I want uh, instead of, of fiction. And then there's an author named Brandon Sanderson. Are you familiar with him? I'm, I'll Google him on the spot and tell you yes. But to answer okay. your question, honestly, no. So there's a, a famous fiction. It's a, it's a fantasy series called The Wheel of Time. Um, there was written by a guy named Robert Jordan. Well, Robert, the, I think the series is like, I don't know, 12 books, 13 books, something like that. Well, the original author, Robert Jordan, died at like book 10. So then Brandon Sanderson came in and finished that series for him. Um, and then he has several fantasy series on his own. And I've had a lot of friends recommend and talk to about them over the years. And I was always like, man, you know, I'm over fiction, blah, blah, blah. And then I decided, actually, when I went to Orlando, because I was going to have a lot of flights and layovers and all that stuff, that I should get, uh, that I should try one of this guy's trilogies on my my Kindle. Mm. So I did, and and yeah, I'm just I'm head over heels in love with it. I mean, I probably read for eight hours this weekend, which is for me a significant chunk of time to just sit on the couch and read. Um, and, and yeah, like it, it's been so nice to rediscover. Um, to rediscover fiction and to have that kind of fun experience and reading something that's not <laughs> that's not about the way people work at least not not directly you know I mean, yeah I guess you could say all fiction is that to some extent right but, 100 percent, man i think it's this crazy concept of you're able to shut off while also tuning in when mm -hmm. when you're reading fiction it's like i don't have to think of anything else i kind of want this escape just i don't have to think of work i don't think any of this stuff mm -hmm. but what i tell people I mean, my deep desire when I talk to people who are thinking of doing fiction is I think what fiction gives us is a way to let other people get lost in a reality that we've created, get lost in our own thoughts, our own mind, our own wonders, lose themselves for a while, learn something and then jump out of it and kind of pass that message on. You know, it's like, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a it's a weird thing where you can say tune out, but then dive super deep in at the same time. 
Yeah, well, and it's it's interesting. Like reading the Kindle um, is interesting, and it made sense in the nonfiction books. But I've been surprised to see it in this this fantasy series, where in the Kindle it'll show you where other readers have highlighted. Um, so if there's like I don't know, profound or philosophical, or I don't know what word you would use, but you know, significant or meaningful text, people will highlight that. And it's interesting to see how often that crops up in the fiction book because, to your point, you're like lost in this whole world and you're you're not you're not in in the real life anymore. But then you see these statements that speak to a greater truth that exists. You know what I mean? And, and that, that does apply to not just that fantasy world. Um, I think that's really cool. It's like, it's like you're deep. I almost look at it as the analogy that like you're underwater, super peaceful, right? You can't hear anything, but if you look up, you can still see that other side of it. So it's like you're underwater, you obviously you're in the book and you know this is all fiction or it's all quote unquote underwater, but you see something that you can take to the surface. It's like, I'm going to freaking take this with me. I mean, yeah. at a deep physical, you know, philosophical or spiritual level, I feel, I feel like that's a, where a lot of uh, religious texts started to get their uh, their churn specifically in the East. I mean, all that stuff is very, like put across very allegorical, you know, this huge monkey that lifted the Himalayas, but that can teach us something about conquering the body, conquering the mind. Um, I think, I, I think there really is something there that people want to take from, from now fiction books. Right. Yeah. Actually, that's a really interesting tie in that you make there with, with the religious. And, and I don't mean it as a way to, um, to you know, shit on anyone's religion or anything. Anyone that knows me knows I'm I'm not personally a very religious person, but I will say that I used to be a pretty strong um, atheist. In mm-hmm. that I I thought that religion was like this scourge of humanity, and like I, I don't know if you've ever listened to Sam Harris. Oh um, yes, he and I I love Sam Harris, but Sam Harris would argue that like religion is like a, a cancer of of people. And and I think that there are sure there are plenty of examples you can point to where, you know, wars have been started or, or violent acts or, or whatever bad things have been carried out in the name of religion. But I think that that becomes more true when you look at it when religion is used as like a political tool or as like um, the only basis for how to govern a society. But whenever you look at it an individual basis, you, you just see some really powerful outcomes that while I might not be able to get there myself. I certainly can't begrudge someone who can, you know, look in the face of, of death basically and, and, and still find joy in life through, you know, through this, through, through the religion, even if, even if maybe it didn't really happen, like it, does it matter? You know what I mean? Does it matter if you're able to extract that value from it? I don't think so. Exactly. I mean, a lot of people will talk like, did this stuff, is it actually a historical text? I mean, I've talked to some people, you know, in travels in India that actually believe in giant monkeys and giant elephants that walked around. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Right. But for the most people that I talk to, it's each one of these gods carried something that we have within ourselves that, that we can pull out. And then I would then venture to say, I mean, could you say the same thing about most religions? And I really feel mm-hmm. kind of similar to what you're saying. It's like, it's the mindset someone has going into it, right? I can see where Sam Harris comes from and he, he goes into it as the skeptic or he goes into it seeing the bad that it's doing. So when, when you go into it, you're going to see more of that. Oh, this never happened. There's no way it's possible. Um, how the hell did someone make this big of a boat? And we can't, you know, where the, what the hell happened? Where did, di- like, where did the dinosaurs go? all this shit, of course, that's the mindset you're going into it is you want to prove it, it's fallacy. Right. But 
yeah, I feel like if you could go into the same text, and, and I'm not a religious guy at all, very spiritual, but not religious. But if you were to go into a text like the Bible of like, okay, how could I, how could I equivalent with probably thinking of a back of lack of a better word, this to something that I'm going through currently, you know, right. something you, you turn in the other cheek, you, maybe he didn't actually do it, but that if that's super beneficial to my life, then it's true for how I want to live that. It doesn't have to be true actually, but it's true for how I want to proceed with it and live my life because of it. There's yeah. some intrinsic meaning there, you know? Well, and, and so it kind of, uh, something that, that we had talked a bit about, you know, again, off, off the air, but um, was kind of this idea of like, what's a, an important truth that that you think is true, but not everyone else seems to observe? Yeah. Um, what is one important truth yeah. that very few people agree with you on? It's a Peter right. Thiel question. Yeah. So, so for me, and, and you know, I can, I guess I can't say that it's fair that no one agrees with me because maybe it's, maybe it's very obvious and everyone does, but I don't, it doesn't seem to be the case. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that is that perception dictates reality. Um, and, and what mm. I mean by that is that there's, there's reality and there's truth and truth is objective and reality is subjective. And so based on how you perceive things, you can change what, how you really like the premise of how you could feel about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and so I think that ties into what we're talking about with, with like the religious stuff, because it's like, it doesn't really matter if objectively something did or didn't happen if subjectively you can perceive it as such and then from that extract this meaning or extract this lesson and then apply that and better your own existence for it, then how much more real could it possibly be or how much more right could it be, you know? Exactly. It's right for the two feet, you know, the, the two feet that are in the shoes, right, that like you're talking about. And, and I think going back to what you're saying to, to preface this whole thing of, of do people actually agree with you? I think like, so for me, I would agree with that. Right. But I do feel a majority of people will start to hear that. And they're like, ah, well, this is fucking confusing. Can you stop talking, man? Or I just don't, I don't know if I believe in that, but no, it's, I think a lot of people don't want to, to go that next layer down, which I think is huge. I mean, I get really off, um, um, on that concept in general, like what is one important truth? So really what it sounds like you're saying is, is someone going into the Bible, it's like, if you really have good intentions going into it, even if you believe a hundred percent real, you know, the, the earth is 4,000 years old or whatever people, mm-hmm. some people believe, but they go into that and say, Hey, this is something important. Maybe through their reality, I Dylan Barr, think it's weird, but if they're going into it, it gets them to believe what they believe and do the right things that they need to do. Then, you know, who am I to judge? And, and I full on agree with that, man. Is, mm-hmm. is that, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I would say absolutely. So, um, it's 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 interesting because it's something that you're right. I think people and and probably it's my fault for picking um, complicated words or something, and and that's not my intent. Mm-mm. But it, I mean, really, it's it's the <laughs> it, the most basic example or the most basic phrase that describes that is you know like you're in control of your attitude, right? Mm-hmm. And now I don't think attitude is directly you know a synonym with with perception, but it's still basically that kind of idea that it's where it's like you can choose how you see these things and people think that they can't choose their emotions. And while that's true, if you, if you choose how you perceive something, then you kind of establish the baseline of what emotions could happen. (laughs) You know, like if I think that you're an aggressive, mean person, then maybe I could be intimidated by you. But as it stands, I think you're really, yeah, I think of you as a very nice and 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 friendly person, and so even if you tried to become hostile or aggressive, like it would take a while to really bring me back over to that being intimidated. You know what I mean? Because yeah, what do you it's just think not does in my it? Perception. What do you think does it? Is it is the, is your first impression of me that puts it off? Do you think it's something deeper than that? Because I, I mean, you just saying that right there, it makes me think. I'm like, oh, maybe I could be more stern. Because let's say I have the perception of people don't like me right away, which is obviously proof false with your subjective experience there. But what is it, what is it that uh, triggers those thoughts for you? You think it's, it's a first impression? You think it's just like who you are as a person going into that? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that, um, do you mean like, do you mean how do I, how do I think I read that from you? Yeah. How did you read it from me? You know, and then we can maybe, you know, 
yeah, make that no, bigger to what you do with other people. I don't want to make it all sure. about me. You no, are no, interviewing good. me, though. The whole episode is, is about <laughs> Dylan Barr. It's in the fucking title, so you're good, my friend. Um, yes. But yeah, I, I would say, you know, I don't know. I, for me, I, I really, and this is a bad answer because it's not, it's not replicatable at all, but I just, I just really rely on my intuition. Like I, I'm, when I meet someone within a matter of minutes, I have a, a judgment on, on kind of where I think it's going. Now I, to, to my discredit, I have had people before in my life that where I was like, that dude makes me feel real uncomfortable and he hasn't done anything to show me why, but I feel like it's shady and it, and I, and I continue to be around them for a long time because of employment or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they never did anything wrong. They never did anything to reinforce my initial impression. Um, so it's not that I'm a hundred batting a thousand, I guess, but I don't know, like I, upon meeting you, for example, like if there's just, maybe it's the amount of eye contact we had. Um, there's, <laughs> there's just a, there's just a genuineness and just a, a, an openness that you can sense from somebody. And there's, I, there's not any, um, and I think the listeners will hear that just from, from, from our conversation already. Like there's just not. Like, even though you and I were in a sales meeting, it didn't feel like there was an objective. And maybe that speaks to, to some extent to your talent as, you know, as in that role in, in sales and things, but I, I don't think you. so. I no. think that it's, I think that it's more about, I think, honestly, if anything, the sales training has probably given you the confidence to allow you to be more yourself. So mm. there doesn't, there's not this veil or this veneer that turns out to not really be what it was. Does that make sense? Yeah, man, just seems like super open, super transparent. Yeah. Even I, but I, and I also been in sales long enough to know that it also pulls out the worst in some people. Where you're like, you are definitely not telling the truth right now. So that <laughs> makes me, you're definitely a fucking liar. Um, it does make me think of it something like further back than that, right? So it's just a really, it's a, it's a crazy thing to think on, right? Because it is then your perception. I'm sure even when you have those, you know, when you were around those people that gave you the heebie-jeebies when you first mm -hmm. interacted with them, even though they didn't do anything to warrant it, your subjective experience every time after that is like, hey, I'll talk to you, but it's almost like uh, keep you at an arm's length away. You exactly. Because it is exactly. that subjective experience going into it. It's the end-all argument, right? My buddy and I have this out here whenever we get into this theoretical debate and I'm trying to prove him wrong or he's proven me wrong in a fun way right not to be like fuck you but a fun debate <laughs> like, I, I feel like most debates aren't like that anymore but we just have fun debates trying to poke holes the end all argument is well it's all relative yeah it's how the hell can I argue that it's like damn it you win man yeah it is it's, it's how you perceived all this from growing up yep absolutely And so, so for you, what, what would you say your important truth oh, that gosh. very few people agree with you is? This is why you and I are friends, even though we've met twice, Walker, is because I was getting <laughs> ready just to segue right into my important truth. I'm like, oh, let me let me back <laughs> off. Let, let me see if he's got anything more he wants to say about it. And then I'm going to tell him mine. No, I, and it will stick on the religious thing. It'll, I think it sticks on some part of what we're talking about here with everything being subjective. But uh, I'm a big believer in balance. So as soon as someone asks me this question, I'm like, okay, it's something with balance. Um, you know, I read the Tao Te Ching, a lot of, you know, Chinese philosophy growing up. So the yin and the yang, I'm just a big overall believer in balance. So then on that tangent, my one important truth is there has to be necessary evil in the world. There has to be necessary bad in the world. Dun, dun, dun all of your all of your viewers shut off um yeah. <laughs> and not to say that i'm going to take the side of evil i take the side of bad but i feel like we need really shitty experiences to really then understand 
um, really amazing experiences. And I think the best way to break it down and, you know, again, sorry for any like super religious viewers out there is like, I think religion is really good, like I just said, but I'll ask my Christian friends. I just got done asking my dad this, who's super Catholic the other day. And um, I say, do you believe that God needs the devil? And then everyone obviously stops talking to me after I say that. Um, right. but, but I'm like, and this is not to say I'm taking the devil's side, right? But sure. you don't know how great... If, and if you're all knowing, all powerful, you'd end the devil, right? But you don't know how great something or someone or, or whatever some entity is unless you have the other side of the coin to compare it to. So if everything was heaven on earth, I think that would be amazing for five years. I think that would be incredible for 50 years. I think that would become purgatory after 5,000 years if you were to use the Christian vernacular with it. I feel like we wouldn't know up and down because everything was just good. Mm -hmm. Lose its meaning. Does that make sense? It does. So this is this is actually it's actually really interesting that that's that's your truth. I'm Thank gonna you. try and I tie think it's it. interesting too. Yeah, well, I, I say it selfishly because I'm going to tie it to my truth. So. You son of a bitch. <laughs> it's only interesting because it relates to me. Because I can um, use it. <laughs> no, so, and I don't know, I, I, I'm interested because I actually haven't had this debate in a long time, so what I'm about to say might not hold water, and if so, that's fine, but I'll be interested to hear your thought on it. Bring it on. Um, if it even makes sense. So we'll see. So, a long time ago, I used to have, I used to think the exact same thing that you're talking about, and I used mm -hmm. to argue that point pretty frequently mm -hmm. um that how can you have up without down how can mm -hmm. you have good without bad right like opposites to some extent define one another so it wouldn't be possible to have it without the opposite because otherwise how would you define it mm -hmm. so the, the alan the, watts thought for a long time ago long time philosopher keep going oh okay um and here i thought i was profound um you did it tell you so <laughs> walker near folks <laughs> you heard it on the walk show <laughs> Um, so I, a long time ago, and, and I, you pronounce, I say, I say yin and yang, but now mm -hmm. I feel very unsophisticated after you, you did say, a yang. So that could just be me and my, I'm going to do yin and yang now too. My so I, experience going into it. <laughs> I want to, I want to sound, I want to sound smart. So I was looking at yin and yang and anyway, and so I was telling a friend about that and he was he was arguing that that's not correct, that there doesn't have to be this balance. And I said, but if you just look at this symbol, like it, it just encapsulates the argument so much, like how could you have white without the black or, or color with no color, whatever you want to say, or um, a full space without the little dot that makes it not a full space kind of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he said that in the end, it's still just another example of perception. Now, this does apply specifically to this symbol, I guess, but but I think it makes sense, broader. Mm -hmm. um, but it's still just perception. That Yes, that balance exists, and yes, these opposites exist. However, those are all just perceived things. You perceive the colors, and you perceive the lines. And so you could, you could elect to shift your perception, and that balance doesn't have to remain necessarily in order for those things to still be there. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's almost as if, as if we, we elect those definitions or something. Does that make yeah. sense? No, it does make sense. I, I, my brother and I are really, really close. He lives out here as well. And he, he, uh, had a similar argument okay. this past weekend, he was kind of saying, he's like, yeah, but, you think a baby's first thought, the very first thought that comes into something's head, it doesn't have anything to compare it to, right? So it is that then perception, you know, right. um, which I, I totally understand. It, and I don't think they have to be mutually exclusive, right? I think sure. you could have the perception going into something of your bad could be my good. I could be a friggin' psychopath that enjoys killing people and you think that's the worst thing in the world. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Have you tried it? Mm -hmm. Um and I think a baby's first thought could be something of total benevolence, right? And that's that's the purity that came into the world, whatever, something bigger than us created, if you wanted to look at it that way, you know, and it didn't need the other side and it created it. Or, or, or in your friend's uh, example, it's like my blue could be your red, just the way we look at what we think color is. Right. I would then just go the next, but I think the next part, because we're put in this, this reality that we've been put in is 
you could think blue is red, you can think red's blue, you can think bad is, you know, your bad is my good, whatever that is. I still think for the, the viewer of it all, everything after that needs to base itself off of something else. So the overarching, like, who we are when it's all said and done, which, I mean, I wouldn't say I believe in, like, a heaven or a hell. I, you know, I think, I don't, but I also don't know if the light just shuts off, right? I feel like there's energy can't be created or destroy, destroyed. It keeps mm -hmm. going, and it probably perceives things differently. It doesn't have any memory of this or recollection, and it just is. But as soon as we get into a world like this, and then, like you said, perception kind of starts or how you go into it, you still, I still, I, I think we still create our perception based off of outside factors that then fuel that perception so yeah. it could be one of those chicken or the egg but i still think at the end of it you need the balance to then say well this is what i believe in because i don't believe in that like if an right. alien if an alien came to our world and could just magically somewhat speak english but not know what things are and, and i had to tell him what things are and he maybe he was super good perceptionist he's, he's a great alien um <laughs> but I show him, I'm like, hey, this is, a, this is a man. This is a male. He could be like, yeah, great. I don't know what you mean by that. And I could try to like show everything. of like, hey, this is his face. This is him naked. This is a penis. That means he's male. It's like, great. The alien's still like, great. I don't, I feel like I'd have to show him the, the, the other side of it. Well, this is a female. So that's how you know that this is a male. Or this is how, what I look is yellow. Why is that yellow? Because, well, these are all the other colors. It's like, you need that. That's how I... I still think it yeah. comes. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And I, I think that I, I think that it makes a, a lot of sense. And it's um, it's an idea that, like I said, I hadn't actually visited in quite a while. But I think it's I think it's interesting. And, and I I don't actually have a point that would um, <laughs> that would really Should dispute it, what you've said. Shouldn't that be what life's all about? Just not having a point when it's all said and done. Just like fucking yeah. let's just talk, man. <laughs> Trust me, I am on a fucking roll for that, my friend. <laughs> It's going great. Um, no point here. But yeah, I think that, um, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I think what you've said is, I think what you've said is accurate. And I think that, like you said, I don't think they have to be mutually exclusive necessarily. I think that part of it for me, frankly, is that it's kind of scary if what you said is true, because that means in order for something to be super, super crazy dope, then it probably has to suck really 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 bad and I don't really want that right like yeah. I don't really want it to suck super bad and I have a pretty comfortable life so that might mean since it hasn't sucked really bad yet that I've got a big downhill coming and I'm not looking forward to that either so or it's just your you know what I mean it's it's just the way that you're like you're kind of you affect your perception of or maybe it's just x amount of bad but you think of bad as you know we were talking before this as well, and I was telling you that I lived in Africa for two and a half years with my um, then girlfriend, now fiance. Um, it's like we were out in the, the thick of it, right? In the rural areas, helping people that have no access to clean water. And, and they literally walk like two to 10 miles a day, no joke, just to get water and bring it back. And I think, again, subjectively, if we were to look at that, you'd be like, well, that is, that's the down that I'm, I've never experienced and I got to experience it. It's like, but they look at it as like, yeah, this, is, this is kind of flat line for me right now. This isn't super bad. Like nobody in my family has been like attacked or nothing's, nothing's happened here. So I again think it's, it's, it's negative for us or it's bad for us. I mean, I know some people like in the sales industry, like super bad. And I've been there before. It's like super bad is, is like two weeks without a sale. Right. You know, it's like, holy shit, how am I going to recover, like, earth-shattering event when I was younger? Like, that can be the subjective bad. But, like, now right. I'll tell people, if you have a string of bad, a couple of, you know, we call them zero days in the game because he made zero money or whatever. Oh, okay. um, like, if you have a string of those, I mean, feel it. Sucks. But that's also what you, you know, equate a really good week in sales to. So, it's, I do feel there's extremes and everyone's got their own pendulum, right? So I'm not saying you're, you're down for a, you, you got to start walking 10 miles for water now and that's going to be your downfall, <laughs> but it'll be bad for you. And then that's what's right. going to make the good good again.
I, I occasionally like, and it's it's unfortunate. I guess it speaks to my somewhat pessimistic outlook sometimes. But sometimes when everything's going really great and I don't actually know um, what I would be worried about, I get worried about that because I'm like, huh, it's all going really well, and I don't know that it can just stay like that. So what's coming around the corner that I don't like? Mm. Uh, it's almost like that, that humility aspect of like, oh gosh, it's great <laughs> yeah. now, but it's gonna suck. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I've had that same. I've had that same thing at certain points growing up, where I was like used to thinking really bad thoughts, and then I was feeling good for a bit, and I'm like, wait, this feels weird. I should. I should be. I should be upset right now, right? Because mm-hmm. typically my stream of consciousness is, is has been negative. So the change aspect of it. I don't know. I think it can definitely humble us so we don't get overly cocky. And I definitely think that it can boost us at times. Like if you look at like uh, the ego, I think the good part about the ego is it can boost us when we're like, we just feel like the earth sucks. It's like, no, I can get through this. It's, it's finding that healthy middle ground, which yeah. is tough, right? Because like part of me wants to tell you, yeah, there's going to be bad stuff getting ready to happen. But it's like walk the line though. Right. You know, what's going to happen. You can walk the line. You can you can experience it. You can jump back to the middle ground. Something really good happens. You'll be able to fully experience and then jump back to the middle ground. And I think that is just the almighty journey we're all trying to figure out. And it's super fucking difficult. I know. Yeah. Right. Like on the one hand, there's this notion that like you just said, where, you know, like um, I'm a big Kobe Bryant fan. Um, and, and when he was playing in the NBA, he would talk about how the secret to his you know, continued success was he didn't he didn't get too high on the highs and he didn't get too low on the lows. So it's exactly what you're talking about, where he's always trying to stay kind of in that middle. Um, and that makes sense. But then on the other side of the coin, it's like, but but isn't it isn't it also cool in life to like experience some like super thrilling kind of high high writing thing? And if so, then you don't always want to be in the middle, right? Because if you're always in the middle, then you do you ever really get to experience that, you know, mind blowing thing? You know what I mean? Yeah, man. That gosh, and this this the can of worms opens oh, yeah, right sure. now, right? And I think it's I mean because I've thought the same thing before. I was known that back in in my beginning sales career, I used to sell books door to door. That was my, that was an internship that I did for five fucking years, where I would go to a different uh, state and knock on people's houses and try to sell them educational books for their kids. Wow. Uh, Yeah. Fucking loser. Um, (laughs) I wouldn't say that. That's just definitely some commitment. That, oh, it was. And it's it's put me where I am now and different ways to look at it. And it's also super big negatives that have come from it. Like we've been talking about this whole time. But when I was, when I was uh, selling, that's what people said they knew me for. It's like, really great day, even keel, really low day, even keel. And I really liked it back then. And and I'll still be at times of like, have I lost that? But then I also like, I like going full into an experience. I'm like, this sucks. I'm going to throw something, you know, I, I, I want, it's almost like part of me wants to feel it. Right. And then it's like, you have a little bit of a high. It's like, yeah, I want to feel it. It feels really good. And then finding the middle grounds. So it's not like you have to live there. But I feel like if you live, it's weird, man. I feel like I'm almost going against myself. If you live in any of the areas, it's it's just kind of flatline. I guess like a great middle ground would be kind of walking that rope, that middle, but not being afraid to jump to both sides. Beat your, Don't beat yourself up if you go too far on the quote unquote bad side. And don't get lost in desire and, you know, ecstasy if you go too far to the good side because you're going to lose yourself there. But it's like, you know that you need to come back. Well, I think it's kind of that that, that saying, uh, take all things in moderation, even moderation, right? So it's, uh, That's it's a good exactly one. what you're just saying. Is that a walk right? show exclusive? It's, <laughs> it, is now. Yeah, it is now. TM, people. There's a little trademark emblem after I say that each time. Uh, if anyone else would like to use it, you can send checks to walker at the walkshowpodcast.com. Um, I'll take any money, too, if you're out of it. I mean, sure, I have nothing. Sure. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to listen to this, send me money, too. Yeah, I'll forward I'll forward all the internet money that we make to you. Um, the dozens of listeners that we have really keep the lights on around here. So. We appreciate we appreciate your blood, sweat, and tears, <laughs> listeners. Thank you. Keep listening. Yeah. Keep tuning. Basically, thanks, mom. So um. <laughs> I'll tell my mom too. Man. We'll mom Thank you. Yeah, we'll have two listeners this time. What the fuck are it. they talking about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, man. Um, well, I've got just real quickly, I was going to ask you, um, and these are a little bit generic, but just to kind of gauge just, you know, or, or get to know you a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as and, and these can be very brief answers, I know they can be very long conversations, but like, like, what kind of music do you find yourself listening oh. to? Yes, 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 yes. I like this. Um, yeah, I hate when people when you ask someone this and you're in the you're in the car and you're like, "What do you listen to?" Or anything, and then you <laughs> fucking play something and they obviously don't like it. Uh, I would say, I'm say I listen really to anything though. No. <laughs> um, I would say the big, big music that I like, like I'm not even, alternative rock. Maybe I'm a big Dispatch okay. fan. Uh, Got the Van is probably one of my favorite live. Um, I've heard I would like string cheese incident if I went to one of their live shows. Uh, but I also like a lot of spiritual stuff, man. I'm super, super hippie, woo woo, kind of weird there. Not going medicine for the people, Trevor Hall, Modest Yahoo, uh, tribal seeds, revolution, all that stuff. And then, uh, every once in a while, if I'm trying to feel a little like upbeat or hype, I'll listen to like, um, some electronic music like uh Kygo, awesome. grizz pretty lights shit like that yeah awesome so yeah it sounds like a pretty diverse um pretty diverse taste in in what you're you yeah out. i'll do bluegrass it's like just super country is kind of boring to me like i listened to rock for a really long time but i can't i can only listen to so much and then like hardcore heavy metal um never it never really never really struck with me yeah i'm in an interesting space where my my favorite musical thing, whether you want to call it a band, an act, a performance, whatever, but my favorite musical thing of all time is hands down uh, Tool. Um, okay. Which gets well, you're dead to me, so get me yeah, off the well, show. Yeah, put in that category of of like heavy metal, but I would I would argue that it is it is far from that. Um, it's 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 almost like if electronic music was played with rock instruments, like. Okay. It's it's really really interesting with the 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 different timings that they use and just I I'm not a musician so I can't even speak in the technical terms that well but just I don't know it doesn't sound like traditional rock music at all to to me at least um and it doesn't um it, it you know there is screaming sometimes but it's not it's not that like I won't even try and do it cuz god forbid anyone would have to listen to that but it's not that like really heavy, just like rah, you know, just evil scream. It, it's it's like singing, you know, and, and like a so Lincoln Park. Yeah, some of their early stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm anyone, gonna listen to them now. Anyone longer, that's you know a Tool that, fan right? with me would would assault me for comparing Tool to Lincoln Park. But yeah, it's kind of. I, I see where you're going with that. You so. heard it here first, folks. <laughs> TM, that is a walk show exclusive. Lincoln Park is the same as Tool. <laughs> oh man. Well, luckily, I've got uh, in in the works. We've got a, a, an episode that's all about Tool, so uh, the listeners will know exactly what I think about Tool because uh, they have a show coming up in, in the middle of May that I'm going to go see. So, really, really excited about that. Okay. Um, okay. Well, I know a little bit more about you. Yeah, there you go. And like I say, well, I guess I didn't really elaborate on that. So, so just quickly, you know, yeah, Tool's my favorite musical thing of all time. But I don't like almost any other rock music. Like I, 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 it's very rare that I get into it. At, beyond that, I listen to mostly electronic stuff, okay. and then I also listen to a, a bit of rap and hip hop type stuff. Um, don't really do country. Don't really do. Yeah, like I said, don't really do a lot of rock. Um, yeah, I don't know. I can see that. I still get. There'll still be times I'll get in like the rap. There's just a lot of times I'll listen to it. I'm like. And I, I'm one of those people that can like easily memorize lyrics for some reason. It's a stupid fucking talent that I have. And I'll start, <laughs> I'll start rapping, and it's like it's like part of me is listening to myself, but the other part of me is not. And I'm just singing. It's like the part of me that's listening to myself singing. I'm like, what the fuck is this guy saying? Like, right. what type? What are you subjectively? Your perception creating your own reality. Like, what the hell are you going to bring into it if you keep saying like things like this out loud? Right. But um, it gets me hyped sometimes. And so that's the part of me that's singing. I'm like, you don't understand what I'm feeling right now. Yeah. Just me. I'm schizophrenic. Yeah. I Well, I heard, so I watched this interview with Eminem, and he talked about how um, hip-hop gave him confidence, especially when he was a kid, you know, grew up in a bad neighborhood or whatever, and how rap and hip-hop kind of made him feel 
bulletproof, if you will, even though obviously it doesn't. And, and I would, you know, I didn't grow up in that kind of situation at all. But I would, I would agree that even, even as a 35-year-old man now, um, I, I get that same thing from it. Like, like even if I need to like go mow the yard, I'm gonna put on some rap music so I can bust that out. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> it just, it just gives me that. I'm gonna. Fuck this lawn up. You want that oh, mindset going into dude, it. Dude, I'm, I'm probably going to cut a bunch of it off. <laughs> that's kind of some dangerous shit, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Dylan, it has been an absolute pleasure to, to talk with you today. I hope that we can uh, continue this conversation another time on, on maybe another episode. Um, I, oh, I'm I in. Really I am in. We'll talk about yeah. death in one of these, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Just to make people <laughs> listening feel super uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do what we'll do is an episode all about cancer Perfect. Um, and the horrors that it exacts upon people. Yeah, that would be good. Uh, no, man, it has been super interesting. And like I said, you know, at the beginning of the show, it was an absolute pleasure and delight to meet you in Orlando. And I'm really glad that, that you agreed to come on. Uh, Self-publishing school is the, the website. Again, we'll have that in the show notes and I'll repeat it in the closing. But if you'd like to, what, what is that website one more time? Self-publishingschool.com. We just revamped it. So so okay. go in there, uh, look at some stuff. We got amazing blog content in there that if people are actually thinking about it. Yeah, maybe you, maybe you want to write a book and you don't need any help, but it's, it'd be cool to have a blog or a place that you can go. Give it a look. It's awesome stuff. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much, Dylan. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and have a good one. That is going to do it for today's show. Thank you again, Dylan Barford, for joining the show today. And again, guys, that is self-publishingschool.com, uh, where you can can check out uh, the, the work that Dylan's doing. Uh, always, you can email any comments, questions you've got to walker at the walkshowpodcast.com. Thanks again for tuning in. Have a good one.